the book is divided into three parts now. And the first part is like just the basics. Like here's the three forms of bravery. Here's what happens when you're in a tough spot, mm-hmm. um, creative creativity and courage, that kind of thing. And then the second part is the ingredients of bravery, like vulnerability, imagination, improvisation, all of that stuff. And then the third and final part is all about the bravery building tools themselves. So, and that format would not have come about had I not just taken a step back and listened. Okay, Open Road Podcast, back again, JR, another week. Mm, We're knocking them out. How are those New Year's resolutions coming along, Calvin? So good, Jer. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, well, who? What? It's now the end of January. Uh, is this typically so when it, they fall off? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I feel like just even bringing up that word at this point is like probably a little bit cringy for some people. They're nervous. Well, you just told me that you got back from the gym. Does that mean are you doing what I think you're doing? What do you think I'm doing? Did you do the cheesiest resolution of all? And get yourself a gym membership. Um, that would be a definitely a fair assumption, and I did just return from the gym. Um, I think it's my wife's New Year's resolution to get me back into the gym, and so she gifted me the one month free pass to her CrossFit gym that they give out to every member to try to get new people in the door. And when you showed up, we're like, dude, you've already been here. <laughs> no, it's a totally new. We gym. recognize you. It's a new gym. Okay, fine. Um, are they, are they've heard, po- are, they've are heard these, a little about me. Are the CrossFit gyms, are they still a thing? Like, are they, they're still popular? They haven't they died are. off yet? No, no, they have not died off. Okay. And in fact, they're growing. Like, a lot of people who, you know, the, the classes are full. They're adding more classes. Um, it's an interesting business model to kind of look at. And, you know, yeah. you don't need a massive, massive number of people to make a go of it. Because... Right. It's like this gym, you sign up for classes, so they have a pretty good ability to manage their structure. If the class is yes. full, we start to like they kind of manage it well. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been going well. I've gone probably five times now in the last two weeks, but how, I just don't know how I feel about the whole working out thing. Maybe that's a different conversation. It probably is. How many people that like are really into working out? think that they have like what it takes to teach a workout class is that pretty much a thought that goes through everyone's mind when they're in a workout class i don't know i think it's a pretty high standard actually especially if someone is a crossfit coach i'm like you better be strong you better know your stuff and i don't think everyone thinks that they can do it i have pretty high expectations yeah and i don't think i don't think everyone thinks that they can do it no i don't think that but it is interesting because I think that like a really good CrossFit coach is really good. Like it's a really great skill set because you're a high intensity person and yet you have the ability to observe effectively mm-hmm. and communicate clearly and teach people things and then motivate them. I'm like, that is a pretty cool job. It's similar to what I do in the like leadership training space. Yes. So yes. I'm actually watching very closely with a very critical eye to the coaches and for the most part i'm i'm really impressed i think it's there's good coaches at this gym i don't know anything about it and i I think i 
understand the concept, but I like the idea that it seems to have a lot of creativity um, in it, where going to the gym and doing the machine seems boring to me. So I like the yeah. idea of making it a workout a little more exciting and interactive. Yeah, there's never really a boring time. And yeah. the, the the pace of it, it's an hour. They move you through. I, yes. I have no no complaints. People will say, oh, it's too intense or it's dangerous. No, never once have I been pressured to do something that was out of my comfort zone or anything like that. Um, but anyways, so I, 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 yes, have been going back to the gym. I am I am braving the gym um and and we'll see if it if it sticks but it's it's also really expensive so two memberships to a yeah no, gym that's is, a lot is a hit to the bottom line so we'll see what happens after the month is up i mean don't you want to be it'll pushed? Be enough. don't you want your limits pushed though working out <laughs> like who wants to like, just push know. my limits working out and therefore push my limits financially just push everything to the <laughs> limit <laughs> Uh, speaking of pushing things to the <laughs> limit, Calvin, in our at the end of our last episode, yeah. you kind of dropped this bomb that you pushed your truck to the absolute limit, and then yes. you got in an accident and totaled your car. I um, got, I did total my car, my my truck. Yeah, I totaled it. Can you give Can you give us a little more? I feel like we glossed over that, and I mean that's a scary experience. We may have, but yeah. Um, I mean, there's not a whole. It's not a very exciting. story story um i just kind of like hit a big sheet of ice coming home on a friday night on a back road and then uh i was kind of sideways and then i just like plowed right into a tree and then like bounced off and then was like in the ditch and had to kick my door open to see my truck that i've had for i think like eight years maybe a long time just devastated jer like the just the front all pushed up the hood kinked up and like the su- oh it's just destroyed so How i was really looking at your baby like that uh, it was sad jerry like we've been through a lot together i, I know. so it, it has actually been I, I there was a little glimpse of hope where i'm like oh i can probably pop that down and and keep this baby <laughs> going and and like the first thing i did is like i tried to turn it back on because it was like minus 20 and i was freezing Sure. Waiting for someone to come pick me up. I was like in the middle of nowhere. So I yeah. needed some warmth. So I was like, I fired her up and I was like, oh, it fired right up. Then a little while later, it was like steaming and a big mess. So, um, oh, really? Yeah. No, it was, it's sad. You're like, I mean, I think I, I haven't really, um, fully, I just actually got the confirmation like a day ago that it is, in fact, no hope. Totaled. Totaled. Total Does loss. Does that mean as it's you called. also know how much money you're going to be given by the insurance company? I don't yet. I haven't got that call yet. I'll, uh, I'll, I'm happy to disclose that to the podcast, though. Yeah, I would be very interested yeah. to know. Hopefully, yeah. it's more than uh, 600 bucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hope so, too. Um, yeah. But no, so, Jill, like, I had that truck when, like, well, like, before, way before I was married. And I remember a time specifically where I could fit everything I own in that vehicle, including the vehicle, and just, and that was it. That was all I had to my name. So, it was kind of cool time of my life is now seeing that and then this truck has kind of been with me all through um me growing and living new places and getting married and now having a kid like same vehicle keeps following me around and it's the thing that i use every day and have depended on for many many years it's one of the few things that really stays with you for that long i mean try to think yeah. of some others like i don't know jer maybe a wallet if it's a really high quality one but not no, me you don't have your wallet from eight years nope. ago i don't you lose yeah. that thing every three years <laughs> i know i've got like some t-shirts and stuff but like pair of jeans nope 
pair of shoes? No. Nope. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Maybe some maybe some tools. Maybe some of your early tools. Some early tools. Yeah, my first set of drills I still have and use. Yeah, that's very true. Um, a couple but they things don't, like but that. They don't, but they don't have that same daily use factor, right? No, 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 no. I have my, my, my very first, like I got like a nice leather tool pouch when I first, you know, was becoming a carpenter. Um, mm. which I still have and, and which is beautifully patinaed and worn in by now. Um, yeah. so, I mean, that's kind of like the same kind of got that all together and yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of sad, Jer. And yeah. pr- I've only ever owned two vehicles, this truck. And then before that, a 96 Civic, which was gifted to me, which died pretty shortly after. So <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know what you have to do now, Calvin, there's only one thing to do. I don't know, Jer. What? You have to learn how to be brave. That. Or, yeah, by being brave, Jer, I also, maybe this is a good time to bring that up. Um, I need the RV as a you daily, need the j- RV. just for a bit. Yeah. Just My for rental a bit, car right? is coming to a close and uh, I'm going to need a daily driver. You'll need a, dra- a daily something driver. Something to get well, to work. We can get you. Something to maybe uh, have lunch in. Yes, yes, yes. A little yes, parte yes. at the office. Something that, like you said with your truck back in the day, you can put every one of your possessions I think I in. can fit everything in there. <laughs> just a little bigger. Uh, that's awesome. Yes. But Calvin, if you were if you were if you had to just suck it up, move on with your life and be yes. brave, do, yeah. do you even know how to do that? I mean, wrap your head around being brave for a minute, Jer. Like, okay, let, let's just think back. Okay, like that Friday night, last Friday, boom, smash the tree, adrenaline's pumping, gotta be brave. What do I do? Like check myself over, check my body, make sure I'm feeling all good. I'm a little dazed and then I I'm thinking like, well, now what I do? So um, I guess there was a little bit of bravery required in there and trying to like kick myself out and go check things out and try and know the steps of what to do after an accident. Yep. Um, yep. But that's a pretty common um, definition of brave, isn't it, Jer? Yeah, and I think we could probably dig into this topic a little bit more. And you know what, Calvin? Our guest today talks all about it. We're talking about bravery today being brave in many different ways ways i've never even thought of before this episode yeah and so we're about to bring on emily and peterson and let me just give you guys a really quick little uh intro on what she is up to quick little bio um emily is an author she wrote a cool book called bare naked bravery that we're going to talk to you uh, a little bit about she has been uh, uh she was rather a cello teacher and a, a fantastic cellist and then she tells us a story in the podcast of how her hopes and dreams of playing cello for the rest of her life went away and what she's done uh since that moment to kind of reclaim her uh voice as an artist and how she kind of uh stumbled upon this idea of being brave in the face of adversity and it's it's a really good conversation and i think a a nice one that ties in with our theme of finding adventure how are we brave in the big things and in the little things and what does bravery even mean we get Mm -hmm. into all of that in our interview with emily today all right well emily thank you so much for joining us on the show today we're excited to have you with us and as we mentioned in our little preamble you're an artist a podcaster and you're doing all kinds of interesting stuff and we'd love to hear from you uh, in your adventures what's been sort of a really defining moment for you or do you have a story that kind of gets us caught up to speed on on what you've been up to sure uh first thank you for having me this is so i i on my own podcast, I say this all the time that we have so much stuff that we can listen to. Like there's so much content out there. And so 
anytime I hear that somebody has heard an episode or an interview or a song or a lecture mm-hmm. or whatever I do, it's it means a lot just because there's a lot of things out there. So thank you for having me. Yeah, it is um, really cool. I, I agree that people would spend time with us. So thank you for being here, and we're excited to spend the time with you too. Totally. Well, so I just finished a book called Bare Naked Bravery, How to Be Creatively Courageous. And a lot of that's... Provocative title. I know. Um, It's a provocative cover, too. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Um, yeah, the the whole concept of, or my curiosity behind bravery and what is it started because I was, um, in 2013, I was a full-time cellist um, and musician. And I had a full corral of cello students in the Seattle area, and I was doing performances and recording sessions and loving it. It was awesome. But I was diagnosed with one essential tremor in my right hand, which basically meant that I had a, I have, still have it, a degenerative neurological disease in my right hand, which causes it to shake. especially when it's extended away from my torso, which is mm-hmm. exactly what I have to do when you're bowing is extend Just your arm your right out hand. away from me. Yeah. And, ju- and which is my bow hand. So it meant that the cello started to sound like it had like a tremble. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. I had played for so, so, so long that when I heard the tremble through, cause I had, seen the tremor happen like while I'm talking with my hands or holding a fork at lunch or something like that so I had seen the tremor growing and then the day that I heard it through my instrument was the day that I called my doctor Hmm. and Hmm. was like because I knew that I have I had by that time decades of experience and technique built to have a stable solid fluid sound with my arm and then all of a sudden I don't have that anymore. What's so it was that was one of the many things that happened during that season that was just really are we allowed to cuss on the show? Yeah. I forgot to ask that. Encouraged. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it was just a really shitty season all around. Um there there were so many things that happened, but that was the biggest one that that was probably the biggest instigator of Mm. that season. And I I just had like it, my entire livelihood, my entire community, all of my relationships, my rent, where I lived in the United States, all of that depended on this instrument, which I now no longer had the um, dependency on, or like stability, yeah. literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one one of the things that happened right after I got diagnosed was I was awarded an artist residency to go write and record new music out in Leavenworth, Washington. There's an arts organization out there that's really wonderful. And I originally had been awarded this residency to write and record new cello music. But when I got out there, I was like, hey, guys, this is my situation. Is it all right if I don't do cello music but do other kind of music? And they were totally fine with it. Hmm. Um, so what did that so then I, What other kind of music? So, well, so here's, I grew up with a piano teacher as okay. a mom. Yeah. And I had noodled around on guitar some a little bit already. And because I had been planning on doing recording sessions while I was during out there in this artist residency, I had was already planning on bringing my 
keyboard and other instruments along with me just for like mm. other sounds and other effects and that kind of thing. But what happened was I ended up playing, writing and recording not cello music. Like the cello just sat up against a wall like a piece of furniture and I didn't <laughs> touch it for six weeks. And that was the first time I had not touched the cello in at like ever because it had just been decades of playing every single day. Right. So there was a lot of grief that happened during that season. Um, but it was also the instigate. It was a catalyst for a lot of big change. Mm. And, and I knew that I was going to have to get brave if I was going to follow mm. through with some of this change, but I had no clue what bravery actually was like Brene. I have read Brene Brown's books about vulnerability and, and I've read a lot of other like, motivational sure. stories from people but i i saw that there was really no answer to what actually is bravery and how do we build it and when you are really terrified about life or about a certain situation um or you feel like you're out of like you are out of control or your situation is out of control what do you do how do you like yeah. build chutzpah all of those questions so I started just writing about it just because that's how I personally process things. Mm. And then I got really, then I was like, well, maybe this is a book. So, well, if I'm going to write a book, maybe I should do research because <laughs> my dad's an academic. So I was like, well, if you're going to put something out there, you got to have like l some sort of legitimacy behind it. Right, so sure. I started having these conversations about bravery with people who I admired and then those conversations started happening with people that those people admired. And those conversations became so great that I ended up saying, you know what, let's just make this a podcast because these conversations and these stories that we're talking about are really great. Um, and they deserve to be out there in the full format, not just boiled down into like a sentence in a book, you know. Right. Was so. this before or after the movie Brave came out? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh. That's Calvin's favorite movie. That could be a big turning point. I mean, maybe that was what made, you know, caused an explosion. Well, it is. So I will say this. It is a very, it's a zeitgeisty concept. Like, right. we we idolize people who are brave or who commit feats of bravery. We make massive news stories out of it. Yeah. And yet, if you ask anybody off the street, hey, what is bravery? Or why is that person brave? Hmm. They would have a hard time struggling. Either they would struggle for the answer. You know, they'd say, oh, it's because they did X, Y, Z. But that action in and of itself is not always brave. Right. 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 Okay. Right. Now, how did, you, uh, how did you make the link between basically losing your career and losing your livelihood to realizing that, like, bravery was the ticket? Why, like... What was that link there versus like, oh, I just got to go get a new job. And you know what I mean? Why well, was that something that jumped out to you? Part of it was that I spent that six weeks in the mountains just kind of creatively sulking is what I call it. Because I was there to write music. Like I was there to do a job to write music. Mm -hmm. And I just so happened to write music that wasn't familiar to me. And what I, came, what I personally came out of that experience with was, oh, I'm not just a cellist. I'm not just a musician. I'm a songwriter. And I'm not just a songwriter. I'm an artist. And 
oh my gosh, I have something to say. Mm. And mm. if I have right. something to say, that means I'm going to have to say it. <laughs> and I have like, I'm going to need to be brave if I'm going to say this stuff out loud. And that's right. when I was like, okay, wait, I don't know how to do this. I have to figure it out. Where does the anxiety come into play? I mean, you talk very openly about anxiety and that's kind of something we were discussing. We've never really talked a lot about that topic on our podcast and something we would um, like to talk a bit about if you're open to and then um, yeah. perhaps even tying in our theme of you know finding adventure uh, as someone who struggles with anxiety. Yeah, I mean, I see. So I struggle with anxiety on, mm, well, because I live on an island right now, usually like my first two days when I go out into the mainland is like, I'm overstimulated because there's a lot of traffic all of a sudden and, <laughs> and there's you don't a lot of billboards and yeah. And I don't, and I don't know how to swim. I do know how to swim, but it's really cold. So I wouldn't want to swim all the way to the mainland. So, um, there's like a couple, there's that like first hurdle of, Oh, back into the real world yep. and back into real life. Yep. Um, and that, can be a trigger for some people who are very introverted and then all of a sudden they have to be in an extroverted environment mm -hmm. for whatever reason. So that's, you know, that induces anxiety in some people. Uh, I also am a performer. I'm a, you know, I'm a performing singer songwriter. So I get on stage a lot and sometimes the environment or this performance situation is not, easy breezy beautiful it's mm -hmm. high intensity high perfection very like you either play the song or you don't or you fail or you don't right, or right you know it's perfect you screw this not. song up <laughs> and then 150 people think you don't know how to do what you claim that you can do right um, okay yeah. but what's what what stage is actually like that because can't you just say, oh, I'm an artist, so it was supposed to sound that way, or you, you know what I mean? Like, so where does that come from? Like, what kind of music well, it are depends you playing? On, it depends on the mistake you make. Right. Right. I guess so, so, I mean, if I if I just, like, totally screw up a chord on a guitar, or, like, in the case of my hand, like, the what's kind of like a catch-22 with my hand is that um, it still shakes today. It's worse than it was when I was first diagnosed. Um, and when I have an excess of adrenaline, i.e. I'm nervous about getting on, on stage, stage, right? the tremor is exaggerated mm. and worse. So the tremor has actually forced me to be a very, it's been a very good barometer of my own stress levels and uh, my own adrenal health. Right, right. Because I mean, like, you know, I go through a, a crazy season, even if it's just a week where I've got a lot of exciting things happening, good, exciting mm -hmm, things. Sure. I notice that my hand starts to shake a little bit more. So that anxiety and, and it just proves the fact that I don't think anxiety in and of itself is bad. I actually think that depending on how we manage our anxiety, it comes out in unmanageable or embarrassing ways like a panic attack say for instance right yes um yeah but you can also learn to practice stress management in a way that uh uses that extra excitement and channels it into excitement not 
anxiety. So I, I just think that anxiety is mismanaged excitement. So what are those, what are some of those ways where people can learn to manage it properly? Like what have you learned about that? Yeah. Or well, that's what, what's worked for you? Personally, my like favorite ways of, I mean, this is partly what it's like to build bravery is to get really honest about your situation. Like for instance, there was one, okay, there was one concert that I did in San Diego where I botched every single song. And it was like the worse the song got, the worse my hand got, and the worse the next (laughs) song got. And and then it was just like by the end of the whole thing, it was just uh, like the last song. You were sobbing on the floor. Yeah, the last (laughs) song, I distinctly remember screwing up like almost every single chord all the way up until the very end. And then I finally hit the last piano chord and I was like... Oh my God, thank God it's over (laughs) out loud. And everyone was laughing. But at the same time, I was so mortified that I like politely like excused myself. Um, This was a house concert. So it was in somebody's backyard and I politely excused myself and went to the bathroom and then like stood there clutching the bathroom sink, looking at myself in the mirror, like, you're going to be okay. Take a deep breath. Right. Yeah. You're going to yeah, be okay. Yeah. Like take a deep breath, take a yeah. deep breath. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, like you, ha- I have to, as an artist emotionally have to like dig myself out of those moments. If they end up happening, I have to dig myself out of those moments and go, okay, one concert botched does not mean you are an artist that is botched. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it's still okay to keep going. Right. Then that tour specifically, what I ended up doing was I used the rest of the tour as an experiment in observation rather than a, um, rather than like forcing myself to do it perfect. Interesting. I just wanted to use every following concert as like, what happens when I do mm. this in a song? What does the audience do differently? That kind huh. of thing. So that's interesting. Mm. I think that observation, curiosity, and honesty is a really good place to start, especially when you are experiencing high levels of anxiety. Well, that's mm. an interesting way to kind of even take control of your situation where you say, I'm going to try something and I'm going to see what happens when I try this thing, right? So you're bringing maybe an element of how do I, how am I maybe more intentional even with what I'm doing and not... Um, and then you can prepare for what that thing is and then you can kind of see how it went versus something a little more surprising like it's obviously screwing up the whole concert is is more surprising. Totally. But I mean like that whole scenario could apply to a travel situation. Like say you're abroad and your passport gets stolen and you're freaking out cuz your passport gets stolen and you're now you have no way to prove that you are a citizen of the country that you actually are a citizen of. Right. Right. What do you do? Like, there's probably a moment where you have to go to the bathroom and like look at yourself in the mirror <laughs> and go, "You're still alive." Yeah, I'm still mm-hmm. alive. Yeah. Um, or you run around like a chicken with your head cut off and expose yourself to more vulnerable situations, like having your wallet get stolen because right, right, you're right. not focused on on those situations. So, um whenever you're feeling those high levels of excitement or high levels of anxiety, if you take a minute and 
observe yourself a lot of times you can observe your situation too and recognize that like oh yeah my passport might have gotten stolen but my airbnb host is super awesome so i'm gonna see if they know somebody at the embassy or whatever Mm. how i can Mm. get out there yeah yeah figure out the next step Mm -hmm. um just jumping back even a little bit we thinking about things that you've learned you said you've kind of learned what bravery means and and how to build it can you give us a little bit of an overview of what some of your research and and work exposed on that front yeah so i started to see this pattern that there's really three forms of bravery there's an internal bravery um like that would come out in, let's use the example of you're in a really awful marriage and the internal bravery to tell yourself, I think it's time for a divorce. Like that's internal bravery to just acknowledge Mm. that in and of itself to yourself. No one else is involved, just you. That's internal bravery. Um, Then there's an external bravery that might look in that situation might look like you telling your friend hey, it's really awful at home. I'm looking at, I'm shopping for lawyers. Like just saying that out loud to somebody else right. or even telling the lawyer <laughs> right? or shopping for lawyers, that's an externally brave thing because it involves you doing something brave on the inside and also involves something else on the outside as well. And then there's this third form of bravery called resonant bravery, which is like, Say, for instance, I'm in a bad marriage. I'm not. I'm single. <laughs> I'm If I'm in a bad marriage and I see one of my friends getting a divorce, mm-hmm. I think, oh, my gosh, that's such a brave thing to do because I I think it's brave. Like, I, there's the subjectivity it of resonates bravery. resonates with you. Exactly. Okay. Interesting. resonates with me. So it brings to this point that creativity really is um, contagious. You know, because creativity and courage is contagious because both of them rely on each other. So it's hard to be courageous, which is a synonym of bravery. It's hard to be courageous without creativity. It's almost impossible. Hmm. Right, right. And it's almost impossible to be creative without being courageous. So there's this like spiral effect that happens and the more creative you are the more courageous you are the more courageous you are the more creative you are hmm. and splays out into this big array of eventually a big feat of bravery like jumping into a burning building to save someone you know mm-hmm. um, that is really interesting and actually makes a lot of sense when i'm i'm trying to think of what are either the creative endeavors that i've gone on to even this podcast for example right so when I saw other people podcasting that resonated, oh, they're just doing it. What? You can just do it? And then you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to do it. And then you do it. And there's even another thing that I'm working on right now, which is more of a narrative storytelling podcast. I'm like, how on earth am I ever going to create a good enough story to be out in the world? And yet, well, if I never try, I'm never going to do it. And if these people are doing it, maybe I can do it. So that's really Mm -hmm. interesting. And then I can see how that does obviously start to scale as you as you move along that's really interesting i'd never seen it it truly does and i think a lot of times what ends up happening in in our culture is that we see somebody do something really killer amazing out there 
And we think that they just woke up that day and decided right. to do it. Right, right, right. But there is a long story that happens before all of that. Mm. Um, sometimes it happens like all the way back to childhood, you know, and you realize, oh, their parents encouraged and fostered an environment that allowed them to fail a lot. And so they did a lot of failing. And so by the time they were right. 18, they had done all their learning that was needed to be done about failing in that area of, of life. And so then what lo and behold, they're, I don't know, some seemingly prodigy right, level, right, right. you know, right. Beats of bravery. Right. We just don't see all those steps that, you know, that built up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess moving forward a little bit, Emily, I'm curious um, of your writing process a little bit. So you're currently in your, writing phase right now can you tell us a little bit about what's going on there and then i'm even curious practically what uh, what that looks like and how you um can be creative in um in a somewhat isolated environment and how you're able to um you know feed that um, creativity yeah well i think you know so sorry are you working on a second book because your first book is done my first book is done my first book is out there um I'm possibly working on a second book where, you know, the first one took me like three, four years to do. Yeah. Um, mm. I'm always writing songs because yeah. I'm first and foremost yeah. a song singer and songwriter. So I'm always, always doing that. And I've got like a pretty regular habit of like finishing a song on, on the regular. Nice. Um, I, can I? Can you clarify your question for me? I, I want to make yeah, sure I answer so it correctly. We, we were talking earlier, and you're in this zone of writing. So, what is your writing process? I mean, you're writing music right now. Is that different from other forms of writing? And um, what does sure. that just look like? What does your everyday look like for that? Well, okay. So for songwriting, usually I start with a concept, and I do a lot of like head work mm-hmm. for the musical concept. concept or like a picture. No, it's a story concept cool. usually, or or like an emotional snapshot of some sort. Okay, cool. Um, sometimes it's a specific moment in time. Sometimes it's like a full first this then that kind of story. Hmm. Um, but generally, I do a lot of like formulating about what I want that concept to be before I sit down and even find words to describe that concept. Um, I really love there's there's all sorts of ways that you can do songwriting, but one of my favorite ways is to create so, uh, word clouds. So mm. I'll do a lot of research in um, like for instance, I just finished a song about um, Aleppo, Syria, mm. and the White Hat Brigade of neighbors who are pulling their neighbors out of buildings that have been that have crumbled to the ground, and mm. it's. I mean, talk about heroism. It's amazing. Um, but then I did you gotta a lot rhyme of something with Aleppo. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't use Aleppo in the in the song because I realized as I was writing it that this doesn't just happen. Those things, those moments where neighbors are pulling each other out of dangerous situations doesn't just happen in Syria. It happens all over the world all the time, yeah. unfortunately. And so I wanted to make sure that the song applied in a broader sense to multiple kinds of stories but i did i did use aleppo as 
the like cornerstone snapshot yeah. for this my hmm. research. And I actually got I literally got on Google and researched all of the stories and I looked at all of the pictures. I mean it's heartbreaking. Um all the pictures and as I was looking at it, I was writing down words that described the pictures that I was seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases I even used like snips snips of words that um, residents were using to describe their own hometown. Interesting. Um, so like one of them was sunken cakes for buildings. Mm. And that was one of the, one of the ways that uh, the residents described the buildings now. And it's really right. true. They're right. Like you look at the buildings and they looked like sunken cakes. Huh. Right. It just looks like because they just had the insides just gutted out of them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it, it's things like that that I just like you yeah. go my, you mine for words, and then I get this massive pile of words, mm-hmm. just he, like more words than you could possibly imagine fitting into three minutes. And then I take all the best ones and highlight them, and I have some like organization techniques that I use for that. Yep. Um, but generally, like it starts with this messy mound of words, Fun. and eventually, and if I have the ultimate concept, and I have the, the one thing I'm trying to convey in that three minutes, then picking the words is really easy to do. Right. Right. Hmm. It just kind of flows from there. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a neat It's process. a fun process. I love, I love that one. That's my favorite one. There's a bunch of other ones, too. Mm-hmm. That was um, my favorite, Emily. As we kind of wind wind up here, I'm interested to hear about what is still exciting you about talking about bravery, talking about courage. Do you feel today more courageous than ever? Do you still have down days? What's kind of keeping you passionate about the things that you're doing? Oh my gosh! So. I, this happened recently with the launch of this book. The anytime I release something into the world, there's this like pre-release funk that happens. Like okay. I've talked to other, I've talked to other um, musicians and other authors and other performers, and this happens. Oftentimes, it happens after the thing is released, but sometimes in the case, in my case, in this last time, it was it started to happen before. Like, is it like after to, you have it done, you're like, oh, I'm done with this thing? Yeah, it's kind of like lean. It the way that I best describe it is it's like leaning against a wall and then all of a sudden the wall is gone. And so you have to kind of adjust yourself because you've been leaning into that wall so much. Mm. And so at the end of a concert, you're like so excited about the concert. You're telling everybody you're wanting everybody to come out or like you have a podcast that you're launching. Oh my gosh, download iTunes link, iTunes link. You're yelling (laughs) about it. And then it's out and there's this like, now what? Right. Kind of right feeling that happens um and so i was was sensing that when i was in the pre-release phase of this book that was Mm. like oh now what am i supposed to do (laughs) now i've got this book out there now what am i supposed to do and you know i have done like career strategizing about like what i actually do want to do like i know the answer right but that ultimate like that tactile emotional feeling of releasing something in the world has that now what feeling yeah right interesting mm-hmm. yeah i think that well, i think we can all relate to that even though if we haven't done anything you know like writing a book but even at the end of any kind of project we're 
kind of left feeling that little bit of a void and and how to get rolling and how to get the passion fired up for the next project well i was just on facebook the other day one of my songwriter friends was like hey does anybody get post tour depression (laughs) and i'm sure the same thing happens when you travel especially if you're traveling for a long amount of hot you know a long amount of time but what happens basically when you're on tour is like especially if you're in a band i haven't been in a band in a while but you're basically with your best friends and you're on a road trip that lasts for six weeks and every day there's something new and every day you have something to do and a project that you're doing and like a task that you can accomplish together and then you come home and there's netflix (laughs) right (laughs) and so there's that there's that that you know the gut level like thud that ends up happening when all of that momentum has nowhere to go or disperses right um but the same thing happens same thing happens when you're traveling too yeah Yeah. you don't have to be you don't have to be creating something to be going through that same like lull that happens um but i did experiment this last time with trying to take more time to appreciate and be proud of the accomplishment Hmm. in the midst of the accomplishment rather than doing it afterwards. Interesting. Interesting. And that actually did help me with, it it helped reduce the contrast of the, um, that funk feeling, you know, the coming down Um, off it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really, um, what's, what's the best way to describe this? It was, I, th- I think if you were traveling abroad or doing a big long road trip and you're, as you're on the road trip, if you can take moments to appreciate where you are rather than be just excited about the next thing, what's the next thing, what's the next thing, because you get in this brain rut, this mentality rut of right. what's the next thing, what's the next thing. Right. And if you could take more opportunity to just be like, hey, here we are. We're we're free on the road. We're, we're <laughs> like, doing or it. Whatever. We're and doing well, the thing we so, want to do. You've been so accommodating of our podcast theme. Oh yeah, hey, <laughs> which, but which that's is so the deal. Great. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. That is part of bravery, is acknowledging what your surroundings, where your surroundings right, are, right, and who's involved in that, and whether your audience or whether the people that you're being brave with are going to be receptive to your bravery or not. Mm -hmm. Will it resonate with them? Will it resonate? Will it, will it resonate with them? But it also, you know, bravery has a lot of ties to rejection Hmm. and you can choose to be brave in creative ways that actually allow your audience or the people that you are being brave with to be more receptive and more open to receiving what you're doing so part of that is being is just knowing who your audience is that's that's really great emily and i think uh there's obviously so much more i'm sure in your book that you've written about but i feel like you've given us a really nice teaser that now is like okay we have to read this book have to dig in a little bit more um and we just really appreciate you being open and sharing sharing what you had to share today this was really fun Oh, thank you for having me. So fun. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, can, can you just kind of share a little bit, I mean, um, of all that you're involved with, so your book title, where can people find you on social media and your podcast and anything else sure. you might be into right now? 
So my podcast is called Bare Naked Bravery. My book is also called Bare Naked Bravery. Um, the subtitle is How to Be Creatively Courageous. And the podcast is available wherever, you know, podcasts are listened to, Spotify, iTunes, all that. Are you uh, you're the on book Spotify? Is- mm-hmm. How'd you get on Spotify? You got to be a popular podcast to get on Spotify. Um, I, I, you know, just oh, tricks you know. of the trade and just be... <laughs> Um, and the, the book is also available on Amazon in all of the formats, like hardback, paperback, nice. audiobook, Excellent. ebook, all that. Excellent. Slate. Um, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> and then all of my music is on my website at emilyannpeterson.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. We'll make sure that to put awesome. all those links right. in the in the show notes, and uh, people can check you out by just clicking on that. It'll be very easy. Awesome. So cool. Yeah. And I actually have, um, there's free stuff all over my website. So if you guys are curious about free songs, there's a we free bravery free coloring book. A free bravery coloring book. Cool. Um, there's also some worksheets and a five-day bravery challenge as well. And nice. all of that's on my website. Oh, cool. Awesome. We'll definitely yeah. direct people that way. Thanks so yeah, much, we'll Emily. share that. Hey, ah. back to your uh, creative hole. <laughs> I know. <laughs> dive back in dive back in thanks Emily thank you that was one of those refreshing conversations eh Kyle? yeah it was and again like we were previously discussing I felt like there were a lot of things that she's doing right now she has done and her story um, seems rather complicated and hard to get into all of it so um, I think we did as best we could I mean, I just as far as wanting more and, and wanting to hear her full story, um, yeah, I was wanting more. That's how I was left. Yeah, I, I think with this new format of talking about things that, you know, people can teach us a little bit, sharing good stories and talking about kind of the meaning behind mm-hmm. what they're doing, I like it. I think we will have to learn how to flow a little bit within that structure so it's not super clunky. Yeah. Um, there were a couple times in there where we're like, oh, maybe we could do this a little bit better but that's all part of the process and i think you're right it kind of left you wanting more in the right way and the the good thing about that is she has her own podcast she has a book if you're left wanting more you can find it just go to the show notes and you can go and find more and now we have a new friend uh in emily so i i I think this is uh i think let's stick with it Kyle. i'm I'm excited yeah me too um so jared you're about to leave you're leaving tomorrow that's correct. You're going to go yep. to the West Coast of Canada, visit some family. Um, I mean, just kind of typical open road pod combo here, but like, just fill us in, Jerry. You haven't packed your bag yet. What's one item that if you get there, you're going to be devastated you forgot? And what's one item that you would think um, our listeners would think is a total waste of packing space, but you need? Ooh, great, great point. Great question. Um, the first thing is an easy call and maybe this sounds really typical, but it also links back to the very first thing we talked about in this episode or one of the things we talked about. And that is my camera. You have to bring your camera. And this camera has been with me since the very first RV road trip. So if you're thinking about things that kind of have some sentimental value, um, I mean, it's not that great of a camera anymore. It's just a a rebel T2i, but it's clunky. Um, Like it's big to travel with. Yeah, a little bit big to travel with, um, but yeah, that's definitely going to be making it into my 
into my bag. I uh, I bring that thing with me most most places. What about that? Uh, that's cool one thing that I'm for I sure to bring. Yeah, I threw that thing in the garbage. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, part B uh, of the question. Part B, the thing that's surprising. Uh, here's the one thing that I find like absolutely obnoxious and annoying to pack that takes up way too much space is an extra pair of shoes. Shoes take up so much space. Yeah, they're terrible. Um, I'm rolling in a couple of client meetings while I'm out there, mm. and so I have to bring a nice pair of shoes. I'm probably going to wear my boots, but then I have to put my slip-ons in my pack, but that won't take up as much space as if I had to put like boots or dress shoes in there. So I think I'm doing okay on the shoe front, but to me, that's one thing where it's like, that's a perfect invention opportunity. The all-purpose shoe, like truly all-purpose. Truly all-purpose. Adventure, dress, waterproof sandal maybe it's like a modular shoe that has all these different things that can like fold down flat and fit in a folder and then you put the skins on to like make the shoe different that's pretty cool Jared. i i think that we're in a phase right now that accepts the everyday shoe and i have a shoe that i wear now that is pretty much everything except it's not an appropriate sandal that's kind of the one exception Right. Um, but I wear it to work to my office and then I also wear it like in the yard or working at my house and it's the just that classic Blundstone slip on boot, which I've mm, had for nice. years now, but it's just like it seems just like it's appropriate for so much ninety five percent of my life it's appropriate for. Yeah, I think a nice new Blundstone works pretty well. Um but let's go run with this idea with me for just one yeah, second. Yeah, Do I'm you here. think so, like, let's say you have a base of a shoe, okay? Okay, yeah. And then on top of that, you have this, like, wire meshed fold-out thing. So, like, okay. it's a wire mesh, but then it has creases in certain spots, so then it, like, is rigid. Yeah. And you can, like, it folds flat, but then you can fold it out and clip it into the base. And then you can put, like, a skin over top of that, whether it's, like, a piece of leather or something like that. So, you can put a flip-flop. Maybe not metal. Let's talk like plastic, right? A plastic skeleton that changes the way the what part of the shoe fits mm-hmm. into the sole. Mm-hmm. Is this making any sense? Am I kind I'm of? I'm I, I am tracking with you. Like so, like basically, the top of the shoe is going to be interchangeable. Yes, right. Like, like you this, you could clip plastic. on a dress top, or you could you clip on a croc top. <laughs> a croc top. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then on top of the little plastic skeleton, which w- again would fold down flat, mm-hmm. then you could put on the different skins. That is interesting. It, it doesn't it sound like very anything. It's, it, it sounds really ugly right now, but there's the text out there. It's got to be out there. You're right. The text out there and all these ideas start out so ugly, right? Ugly and clunky. Oh, Except yes. for some reason, they just went with the croc. They're yeah. like, no, this is fine. This is good yeah. enough. Let's put enough. it to market. Lots of, people love, lots of people love crocs. People who love crocs, they have the crocs. They have about eight pairs. I wore crocs for many years, Jer. Every My single parents. day. Yeah, they have three pairs. They have a bright colored pair, a navy colored player, and then a navy with those fuzzy slippers inside of it. And I'm guilty. I had a few buttons in mine too. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's talk awesome. about a shoe that packs terribly though in a bag, so big and bulky. Oh yeah, 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 not good. Um, Calvin, let's let's do one other thing before we leave. This is the last thing. Uh, where's one one area of your life where you think you can take a, 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 a another step of bravery? Oh, okay. Um, another step of bravery? Maybe even in the week ahead. What can, what can you do? Like practically, as we do, practically today, tomorrow, next week. Do you have something fired up you wanted to talk about? I don't have anything off the top of my head. 
Well, for me, it's a little bit easier because I'm about to go on vacation. So oh, maybe yeah, my well, brave move should be like to try to do a 360 on my snowboard, which I kind of can do, but like I, I've never like mastered it. Very, so, very primitive way of thinking, Jer, as we were like, you're so stuck on the stereotypical word of brave. Did you learn nothing? Well, but but that's still that's still a hurdle that I have to get over mentally and literally like a physical and hurdle. Externally. <laughs> no, dude, have you ever tried I, to like? Have you? No. Can you back? I'm you saying backflip? it's a, I can backflip on a concrete block of wood. I mean, yeah, block of you, ground. Did it take you a long time? Like the first time you were learning to backflip, like that's a mental game to like get under your bot, like under yourself. I can't do yeah. it still. I'll tell you what I did, Jer. First, I started on a bench. Then I moved to yeah. a low chair, and yeah. then out of nowhere. I was able to do it on the ground. Okay, well, look at you go. But didn't you... Okay, yes, yes, fine, Jer. You're going to do a 360. We're going to get video footage. It's going to be insane. (laughs) It's going to be insane. It's going to get 40 (laughs) views on our Open Row Pod Instagram. Um, (sighs) So for me, it's easy. Like, maybe maybe it's even strike up conversations with people at the airport or on... Like, that's, again, kind of classic stuff. But Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll definitely be looking for some opportunities to you know do a couple acts of bravery on my vacation but anything come to your mind what about something with your kid um something with my kid well he's been pretty sick lately so bravery hmm i mean we're gonna take him we're planning to take him to this winter festival this weekend um which is going to be a lot of fun i hope and we're just you know praying that he's going to be cooperative and and uh receptive to all of the activities um Talking about bravery, though, Jer, one thing that I don't know we talked about um, to do with travel and packing. We uh, traveled for the first time with the baby. Yep. I cannot even begin to tell you the amount of stuff required to travel, like airplane travel. It was unbelievable. So much okay, so well, yeah, that I we forgot a bag in the terminal in Florida on our way home. Just too many bags. Just could so not keep track bags. of the bag. Just left it in there. I accidentally wow. left it. And w- how much of that was necessary? Going back to the question you asked me, uh, a lot of it was seemed to be necessary. Yeah, you used a lot of yeah. it. Yeah, we had to bring a stroller, had to bring our own car seat, all this crap. So, oh yeah, good point. Yeah, so, so pretty easy um, to lose track of a simple diaper bag if you're holding all that stuff. I know. Stuff. So Kate and I were actually having a little discussion that I'll tie it back to your question. We were having a discussion earlier that uh, she may go down to Florida to visit her grandparents at some point this winter solo with the baby. And we're just discussing like if she would be able to travel by herself with the baby there and back. Would you feel a bit like deadbeat dad? Uh, For sending my wife and son to Florida without me? Nope. (laughs) Okay. Just abandoning them to Florida? How is that abandoning them? Maybe if I was there and left unannounced. Have you read the news of what happens in Florida? That's tough. <laughs> uh, anyways, I think, okay, so you'll try to do something uh, brave with your baby. Maybe it'll be taking him to this winter fair. I'm going to try to do some brave things on my vacation. Uh, again, please check out Emily's uh, stuff. The links are in the show notes. Uh, follow follow her podcast. Subscribe to it. Subscribe to this podcast. Share this podcast with your friends who love adventure. And uh, we'll we'll see you here, same time, same place next week. We're on a weekly kick, and we are going for it. Is that a Reebok shirt you're wearing? Yeah.